it's great to have you in one room. I know that there's going to be distractions. I know there's kids in the room. I know cell phones are going to go off. We can prevent that one. Just a little hint there. Um, just, just a little note there. But we are all together. And normally we do this outside. Um, but of course, in May, it's going to be 55 and rainy in North Carolina. So um, could not have anticipated that at all. Uh, But we are thankful that you guys are here. Now we've got a lot of ground to cover this morning um, because not only are we going to walk through a passage of scripture, we're going to give you some instructions for how you can be for our community even today before you leave this property. And so we don't want you to leave without an opportunity to take action um, to be for our community. So for several years, this has been something we've done on this weekend. Um, So thank you for being here. Thank you for bringing your kids in this room and juggling preschoolers wherever you are and all those different types of things this morning. Uh, But just a quick trip backwards down memory lane. Emily and I got married on July 26, 1994 in Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, We got on a plane the next day and we headed to Estes Park, Colorado for our honeymoon. We came back from Estes Park, Colorado a day earlier than expected originally so that we could go to a wedding. The wedding was in Murphy, North Carolina. Now, Rewind 29 years ago, right? Rewind, GPS was not real good. And we got lost. We didn't make it to the wedding. We made it to the reception. So we came back a day early from our uh, honeymoon, came back, missed the wedding that we were going to. We left the next Monday. So on Saturday, we missed the wedding. We drive back. Um, I'm serving at a church at the time um, for an internship for the summer. We get on a bus on Monday morning and take 72 students to camp. How romantic. Week two of marriage, we come back. Uh, on the third week, we assume the roles of parenting. My brother and his wife, they went on a week vacation, and Emily stayed while I finished my job. She took care of their two-year-old, um, three-year-old, and really helped us realize that parenting was for a little bit later on in marriage, right? Um, and so then we, uh, then we, the next week, we spent half the week in Charlotte, half the week uh, in Winston-Salem. We were packing all of our stuff, and then we drove to Louisville, Kentucky. We unpacked our stuff, and we moved a couple of times in Louisville, Kentucky over the next three and a half years. And then God, uh, God brought us back to the promised land of North Carolina, right? Um, there's a few of you from Kentucky. Don't get your feelings too hurt, all right? Uh, and so then we moved, and after three moves, we moved into a house that we've been in for 21 years, which means we have a lot of stuff in that house, aka, well, we'll just, we have a lot of stuff in the house, right? We've got attic full, we've got stuff in the building, we've got things in the closet that we don't know what they are, but you can't throw them away because you don't know what they are, but here's what I can tell you, for 21 years, this is home, but what if? Tomorrow morning, not by my own choice, not by anybody else's choice, not because there's a job somewhere else in a different town, but imagine that you've lived in that kind of context or you've lived in your home maybe even longer than that. Consider how difficult it would be to be taken away, not by choice, from the place that you love, from the country that you love, from the language that you speak, from the church that you go to, from the place where you can no longer, you're going to be taken somewhere where you cannot worship, you don't know anything about the culture, you don't know anything about the language, the government is evil and is set against you. It's called in the Bible captivity. Or another word for it is the word exile. 
So why am I painting this picture for you? Because I want you to kind of think about roots and your home. And then all of a sudden, uh, an invasion takes place on the city of Jerusalem. And the city of Jerusalem was a place where the children of God resided in the Old Testament where we read it was the place where God resided. God's children were there. And this evil king by the name of Nebuchadnezzar uh, came in and he pulled away and several thousand people were taken into captivity without their choice, without their language, without their worship, taken into exile. But they had some teachers along the way, some people along the way, who told them, hey, listen, not a big deal. We're going to be here for a short time. We're going to go back to the place. We're going to go back to Jerusalem. We've had some dreams. We've had some visions. We're going to go back. We're just going to replenish, and it's going to be okay. But that's not what God's word was going to be delivered to them. Enter the prophet by the name of Jeremiah. So Jeremiah is a prophet of God. He's going to write and speak to this group of people who are specifically, who are in captivity, who have been stripped of everything that they know, and now they're in a culture, in a region, in a place where they don't know anything, they don't know the rules, they don't know the religion, they don't know the background, they don't know what they can do. And so Jeremiah is going to deliver some messages to them. But let me just tell you, Jeremiah is not popular. He's called the weeping prophet, not because he cries a lot, but because everything he says wants you make to, wants you, makes you want to cry, right? If you listen to it, if you are the receivers of this message, you would go, that's not what we wanted to hear. So he's not a fan favorite. In the first few chapters of the book of Jeremiah, if you've got your Bibles, we'll be in Jeremiah chapter 29 this week and next week. I'll explain that a little bit as we get closer to the middle of our passage, but he has spoken about repentance over and over and over to the children of God. Repentance, return, remove, replace, restore, but nobody wants to hear this message. Nobody wants to hear what he's got to say. Now, i got to tell you, this is not where I originally planned on preaching out of this week, but God just continued to come back and come back and come back to me, even on vacation, kept coming to this passage of Scripture. And so here we embark on this journey, Jeremiah 29, verse 4. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Now, we can't have a discussion. Maybe this is all new to you. Maybe this idea of this Jeremiah of God's children in another country, in another place. Maybe you've never even read this or considered this. Um, but, but I want you to see something really significant. We can't talk this week and next week about this passage without seeing a very important phrase. He says, to the exiles whom I have sent into captivity. Well, that doesn't sound very nice at all. I have sent you into captivity. I've sent you into exile. But God is going to show them through this passage, and I, and I pray for you as well. God is going to show all of us that God, in the middle of him sending them, he has not forgotten them. He is for them, even in their tragedy. And he is, yes, he is for us, even in our difficulties. So we're going to see today and next week since God is for us, we must be for others. There's a purpose in their captivity, which is beyond our imagination, or at least it is for me. God's going to send them into captivity, and there's a reason for it. 
the passage of Scripture is, again, different. Uh, I've just got to go ahead and tell you, this was originally going to be one sermon all the way through Jeremiah chapter 29. Uh, about 2 o'clock yesterday, it became two sermons, all right? Um, so part of it, we scooted to next week. Um, you'll be grateful for that, you with preschoolers, I promise you, all right? Uh, it was looking about a 55-minute sermon, so we're, we're going to ease back a little bit. But please, c- come back for the conclusion, which will be the verse that many of you know out of Jeremiah 29, which is verse 11. We'll come back to that next week. But I'm becoming more and more aware of this fact as I read this passage of Scripture. And and I want you to to kind of walk with me on this journey. I'm becoming more and more aware every day on this planet. And then when I read Scriptures like this, I'm becoming more and more aware that this is not my home. I don't know the last time you thought about this is not your home. You may may love it here. You may enjoy it. You may have some great resources that God's blessed you with. But this is not your home. Scripture tells us that we are exiles, that we are foreigners, that we are refugees, that this is not our home. But I do want you to see some things. If this is not our home, then what do we do while we're on this planet, while we're in this country, while we're in this city, while we're in this place of worship, What should we be doing? We should be shaping the community in which God has placed us. Shaping the community in which God has placed us. Verse 4 says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Listen to what he says to them. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. Wait a minute. We are in captivity in a land that they don't worship like us. They don't look like us. They don't act like us. They don't believe like us. And God's instruction for them is Build houses, plant gardens, multiply your family? How long is this going to take place? We're going to see later on it's going to take place for 70 years. So this is not a quick fix. So God describes the commands of the people. He says, plant gardens. Those of you who are garden people, how many garden people do I have? You're thankful for the rain, all right? You're garden people. You understand that you don't just start with the perfect garden, that it takes years and practice, and you've got to figure out your soil, and you've got to do all these things. I don't think this is simply God saying, plant a garden. I think it's an implication here of plant gardens means stay here. Get comfortable here. Make this your home. Build you some houses, Allow your children and your grandchildren to marry the people that are inside of this community. Shape the community in which God has placed you in the middle of your exile. If I could translate that for us, on a day like today, on a a four-day where we're for our community, make friends, make families, work jobs, teach kids in your community, work in a production plant. Repair cars, counsel addicts, foster children, paint houses, build ramps for people in need, grocery shop, build relationships, serve fast food, brew coffee. A lot of you were brewing coffee out there this morning. Design home, work for your cities. 
while the circumstances are dramatically different from several thousand years ago where these people were in exile, in many ways the situation hasn't changed in that we are placed in this place for a purpose, for a reason, and we likewise should be for our city. We should build houses, plant gardens, multiply as God's word commands us. So I want to give you a few things of how we're going to be for and have been for and are going to be for because God's placed us here, right? We're here. God's placed us here for a reason. So today, you didn't know this, but maybe some of you had a little bit of a heads up today. Um, today, we, we have comprised and put together um, the opportunity for you to be for those who are less fortunate today. Uh, and so here's what we're going to ask you to do. Um, the first way we want to be for our community, the first way we want to plant in our community, grow in our community, uh, is we want to equip you with some tools um, to the ever-growing population of people that you see and you're unsure what to do when you pl- pull up to a red light. Do I help? Do I not? What do I give? What do I not give? Uh, and so today, before you leave this property today, we have on hand enough for us to make a 1,000 kits for those who are um, in need. That's a lot of toothpaste, by the way. It's a thousand uh, tubes of toothpaste. We have a thousand of everything um, downstairs. And so when we finish this service, um, we're going to coordinate as best we can, sending half of you down there and half of you to eat lunch, and then we'll flip it all around for you to make kits, one per person. Probably maybe you'll get to make a couple of extra. Now, here's the deal. You're not handing those to us. You're handing those to places where God has planted you on your way to work, on your way to school. You'll be able to put everything in there. There's instructions, there's guidelines, things to do, things not to do, everything that you need to walk out of here and say, you know what, I'm I'm never quite sure how to react, but today we want to help you to be for the communities that God has planted you. That's one way that you can be for uh, our community. Another way that we get to be for our community today is um, today we get to, this is a little bit of a bummer because we're not outside, but, but today we get to dedicate our new special needs playground. Um, <clears throat> extremely unique. Uh, over the past eight months, uh, this is a way for us to be for our community. A team of parents, a staff, elders began to evaluate our playgrounds and quickly discovered we had a huge need um, in our community. And so they embarked on a journey back in the fall, the beginning of the year, to evaluate, submit, um, and had a very, very forward-thinking goal of, of having a playground installed and ready for our outdoor service. <laughs> we accomplished the goal, all right? Uh, uh, on Friday afternoon, uh, we emptied the last grounds of uh, bags of mulch on the other side for our preschool ministry. A few more things that take place there. But one family who was in attendance last Sunday, because we got it done a little bit early on one side, and so last Sunday... Um, <clears throat> One of the families sent this email. They said, this past Sunday, I brought my daughter, and we were so surprised and excited to see the playground with all its special areas, games, and stimuli for those in wheelchairs. We could easily access everything we needed, and she could even maneuver herself on the unique surface with some encouragement. The parent goes on to say, I know you probably think that anyone would have done what you did, but that's not true. There have been playgrounds built that were considered inclusive that we could not access at all. We just wanted to let you know how much we appreciate everyone who prayed, donated their time and their effort, not to mention the finances involved 
to everyone who gave. You see, church, part of being for a community is figuring out the needs in the community that God has placed us. It's different than a church in Charlotte. These are the needs that God has placed to us. It's different than the needs another church has on the other side of Davidson County. God has given us an incredible ministry to families with special needs, children, and adults. And so that means if we're going to plant here, build here, then part of building here means we need to make sure that we have what we can do to accommodate and to love on this incredible group of people in our church. You guys have given an incredible gift. Yes, you can definitely applaud. So along the way, um, in many, many years of having uh, special needs ministry at Rich Fork, along the way, there's tons of volunteers um, that what we're about to do represents and what we're about to do. But uh, one incredible volunteer um, and leader in our church Could not be here for this dedication today. Dr. Keith Thompson, uh, who cared for many of your children and their medical needs, maybe some of you as adults in the room, he cared for you over the years. He also served so faithfully. Um, he crawled on floors. He cleaned up messes. Uh, he did whatever we asked him to do, and, and even far beyond what we uh, asked him to do, whatever asked him to do. Dr. Keith also served as an elder at Rich Fork and. Um, until his health no longer allowed to be possible. And on January 14th, just as we talked about, this is not your home, on January 14th, Keith Thompson left his suffering and the pain of this world, and he entered his eternal home. But this ministry was special to him, and so um, we've asked for uh, his wife Hannah and daughter Camille and Miss Pat here, family member here to come. Could you guys come on up here? <clears throat> I've been trying to prep myself for this. Um, so this is going to, uh, this is not the permanent plaque that will be outside. Um, but it says, this playground is dedicated in honor of Dr. Keith Thompson of Thomasville Pediatrics. He lived, loved, and served like Jesus. Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. And so this will find its place out on the playground um, very soon for all of our ministry here, and we love you. We thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Yes, what a blessing. What a blessing. You can take that one with you. <laughs> Miss Hannah said, This church is about to explode now. <laughs> Look up Luke 14. <laughs> And I want to be clear about something, because um, I know Hannah would want me to, to make sure to, you to understand this. That plaque is not put up because of a, of a financial gift. That plaque is put up because it is dedicated in his honor of serving and shaping this community. It's a model, okay? It's not perfection, but it's, it's a model of saying, hey, this is someone who served this community faithfully um, and well, and so we are... Um, just honored to be able to do that. 
Got to get myself together here. You see, if Jeremiah told his people, if Jeremiah as a prophet was instructed to tell them to plant here, build here, it also meant taking care of those that other people would say don't get the opportunity to be taken care of. And I'm just so thankful that you are a body of believers who believed in that. Please know today um, when you are leaving, after you make your kits and after you have your lunch, we're going to make sure you don't leave until you do both of those, okay? We have a lot of food. We'll talk about this in a few minutes. But on the way out, please pull your car around. Take a look um, uh, at that playground and also the preschool playground that's been re renovated. So another way that you can be for our community, another way you can be for people in this country um, is, yes, tomorrow is a day in our country that celebrates those who have died while they were serving in one of our armed forces um, and so today, when you leave this room to go get your food and you make your bags, um, when you come back in, this room is going to be changed over. Um, and on all the tables, there are going to be packets. And in those packets are going to be cards um, for you to fill out. There's some instructions. There's some ways for you to do that. Um, and we are going to have an organization um, that encourages Gold Star families, families who have lost someone in the line of service and active duty, um, we're going to ship all those, and they're going to distribute those for us. Um, and so you have the opportunity to be for a group of people who on Tuesday morning, life doesn't go back to the way it was. For most of us in this room, you go back to work, you got to cook out tomorrow, um, and things don't feel much different. But for those who have lost someone in the line of service, Tuesday feels still very heavy. And so we, we want to be for our community because God's placed us in this country to encourage those um, who have served us faithfully. If you are a Gold Star family or you've lost someone in the line of service, would you please stand so we can honor you this morning? I know there's a couple of you in here this morning. Anybody else? Thank you guys so much. We are for our special needs families because God is for us. We are for the less fortunate in our community because God is for us. We are for families who carry the pain of losing a loved one every day. Why do we do that? Because God is for us. So we want to shape our community that God has placed us. But there's more in this passage. I'll speed up, all right, those of you with parents. Well, hang on, all right. Be prayerful. And so what is his other instruction? Build, plant, make yourself at home. He says, be prayerful and peaceful where God has placed you. Verse 7 says, but seek the welfare of the city which I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. And for in its welfare you will find your welfare. Now, please understand the word welfare there is not the word that we use. It does not have the same meaning uh, thousands of years ago in Hebrew that it does in this passage as we have. It literally means, it comes from the word shalom, peace. So the word welfare here is, says, but seek the peace of the city in which I have placed you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf for in its peace you will find your peace. What a challenge. Man, I was preparing for this, and I got to this, and I thought, oh, boy. And I turned on the news on my phone or on my app, and I looked at it, and I thought, there is nothing peaceful. 
politically, racially, violence, division and culture. And Jeremiah says to the people who are in captivity, who are facing a political system, a religious system that is opposing theirs, he says, do what? Go at war? Hate all of them? He says, seek the welfare of the city where I've sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. You might think it's difficult to pray for someone who, has, who votes a different political party. Maybe a little tough for some of us. You may find it a little bit difficult to pray for someone who makes decisions that are in opposition to Scripture. That can be hard. But imagine the call that God gives to this people and says, you're in captivity with people who don't care about you, who don't love you, who don't want to care for you and provide for you. Pray for their well-being. Pray for their peace. Church. Rich for it. God has placed us in this community in Thomasville, North Carolina. A lot of people in this world will never hear of Rich Fork Baptist Church. But you know what? We do. And we know we're a body of believers who have been called. And what have we been called to do? We've been called to pray for those around us. This was so convicting. Because, man, several times this week, my, my kids can attest to it, several times this week, certain things in the news, I'm going, are you kidding me? Really? Is this what's going on? Is this what's going to take place? Is this where it's going to go? But seek the welfare of the city that God has placed you and pray to the Lord on its behalf. Babylon was never going to pray for itself. Think about that. Those who are in opposing thoughts of yours politically, religiously, in our culture, they're never going to go, mm, yeah, I think I need to pray for myself. We're called to pray. I want to give you an opportunity towards the end of our service to do exactly that. But I want you to see one more thing here. I promise we're getting close. Not quite there yet to the end. For thus says the Lord, verse 10. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. Time out. Did, did Jeremiah just like sucker punch them? Because he says, build the city, plant the city, be a part of the city, pray for the city, love on your community, seek peace in your community. Okay, we got that. We'll do that for six months. Then he comes around in verse 10 and says, by the way, for 70 years, that is in that culture, in that world, probably three generations of people. That's a lifetime or two or three. And Jeremiah describes the tension of Israel's new life. On one hand, they need to believe that God would one day bring them back to Jerusalem and restore them to all that they had lost. But yes, it was going to be 70 years, but he would return. This would not be permanent. What we face in this world, it will not be permanent. Because remember, this is not your home. They dream of Jerusalem but they're stuck in Babylon. There's some of you in this room that dream of heaven. That have a picture and a glimpse of heaven that you long for, but 
we're here. So while we're here, why don't we pick up the baton and plant in our city, build in our city, love in our city, pray for our city, and seek peace in our city? This is not your eternal home. This world, this continent, this country, this state, this city, this church, your home is temporary. Paul said this, I mean, Scripture says this, but you are a chosen race out of 1 Peter, a royal priesthood. If you've trusted in Christ, these are your words, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, you had no identity, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you, listen, here it is. I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Sojourners and exiles. There's the, this, is, this is hundreds of years later to a completely different group of people. They're being given the same command. Listen, you're just passing through. This is not your home. Translation, if you've trusted in Jesus Christ, you are passing through. But while you're passing through, make the most of it. But while you're passing through, proclaim Jesus as you build cities as you build homes, as you plant gardens, as you multiply, use the skills that God has given you for his glory while on the earth. Model the fruit of the Spirit. Work your jobs and do them in a way that gives glory to God, no matter your position. We are never given permission in Scripture to be disgruntled settlers. Instead, we are called to be grace-giving strangers. All throughout Scripture. You're never given a hall pass to say, I just don't want to participate in this whatever's going on. I'm just going to stay behind the television screen or my iPad screen. I'm just going to stay disgruntled on this side of it. That's not what we've been given permission in Scripture. Instead, we are to be grace-giving strangers, passing through, building cities, planting gardens, praying for peace around us. The children of God had the opportunity to be transformed, but also to be transformational. Rich Fork, listen, some of you are new with us today, and I'm so glad you joined us on this crazy day with everybody piled in one room. But you know what? Transformation in our community doesn't happen because you you invite somebody to church. Transformation in our community doesn't happen simply because we have a website or an event date or some things on the calendar. Transformation takes place in our community when we immerse ourselves through the grace of Jesus Christ into the lives, the problems, the difficulties, the turmoil, the pain of this society, the hardships that it brings, the long-term relationship with the community, and we are present, we are prayerful about where God has placed us. So if you're new here, this is a perfect Sunday for you to go, what is this place about? We want to be for our community because God is for us. 
Since God is for us, we must be for others. And so today, and not just today, we want to pray for our community. We want to commit to pray for peace and for trusting in the plans of God.